I really, really, really dislike spoilers. Anybody with me can relate to that? I had a friend text me earlier this week and he said, hey, there's a new Spider-Man uh, No Way Home trailer that just dropped. Make sure you don't watch it. And I was like, yes, thank you. Thank you very much. I will uh, make sure not to because I think already too much has been revealed about that movie. I've gotten to the point where I generally just, just dislike trailers because I really don't want the entire movie summed up for me in three minutes. Like that's, no, I wanna go actually watch the movie and experience it. I, I know they've started coming out with more like teasers, which is kind of funny. It's like, oh, we're doing a trailer for the trailer, you know, for the movie. Um, and maybe I'll kind of stick to those because I do wanna be excited about it. I wanna kind of see some footage and, and get some hype, you know, for, for the film that I wanna see, uh, but I don't want it to be ruined uh, for me. And then I have to avoid social media at all costs. Because you know how people are, they're like, oh, you know, I just saw this movie that just came out today. You know what the world needs? My opinion about it, you know? <laughs> and so I'm gonna tell you all the things that, and here's what I thought about the ending. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, what are you, what are you doing? Uh, don't do this. There should be a commonly socially agreed upon time limit. And I don't know, I don't know what that, maybe a month at least, 30 days. Does that sound reasonable where we don't reveal, you know, certain key points of a movie or a book or I don't know, a TV show. Uh, maybe you don't care about this at all because there are some people who are more than perfectly happy with having something spoiled for them. My dad is one of them. I'll be talking to my dad about something. I'm saying, hey, you know, I, I just watched, watched this thing or read this book, you know, it's really good. You, sh you should check it out. And um, I said, you know, there's this really cool part that I think, I think you'll enjoy. And he'll be like, well, you can, you can tell me about it. I'm like, who are you? You know, and where, where did I come from? You know, th this is completely strange and foreign to me. But I, you know, if I'm being charitable though, Actually, my, my sister told me one time uh, that she, I had no clue that this was the case. She's an avid reader and she will go and she, if she picks up, picks up a book, she will actually flip to the end and read the ending to know whether or not she's gonna spend time reading the book. And I'm like, this is, I just, I just don't understand it because I'm, I, like, I wanna be surprised. I wanna know, you know, I wanna experience the thing, you know, in the format in which it was meant to be experienced in the timeline, you know, the chronological order of that too. Uh, but there, there are plenty of people who are more than happy for things to be spoiled for them. I mean, there's, you know, people leak uh, scripts for movies and people go look for those things or, you know, shaky cam, you know, uh, movie uh, footage or, or something like that. And they want, they want to see that kind of stuff. And I guess if I'm being charitable about that and trying to understand it, you know, some people just don't like to be surprised. And maybe they've had plenty of other surprises in their life. They want to know whether or not they're going to enjoy it before they go into it because they don't want to have this experience that maybe produces a little bit of anxiety or anxiousness, you know, about like, oh, is this going to be a waste of my time? Could I be do so doing something else? So they kind of want to know ahead of time uh, to have the story unfold without the anxiety of not knowing what's next. And perhaps there's a little bit of that in all of us if we're honest, even those of us who avoid spoilers as, as well as we possibly can, that if we could remove the anxiety that we carry around with us from our lives, maybe we would enjoy our lives a little bit better as it unfolds. It seems, seems like that makes sense. I mean, it seems logical, but I think there are probably a couple traps that come along with that thought as well. One is the belief that we, if we knew what was coming next, we'd be better prepared to face it and be like less anxious. I, I think that's a trap because actually I think there's some things in my life that if I knew that they were coming ahead of time, my anxiety would have been spread out over a much longer period of time. I mean, there's some things that have come along that I, I, did, not, I did not want to know about ahead of time because it would have been much more miserable. 
The second is this, the second trap uh, with, that, with that thinking um, is this, that alleviating anxiety in our life is contingent upon figuring out what we don't know rather than developing the skills to come to a healthy place of peace within the not knowing. We all live with some level of anxiety. I mean, it's a normal response to stress in life. Caring about things will, will do that to you. And in some cases, there's some anxiety that is actually a healthy response to something that m- might be happening. Here's a, here's a picture to kind of illustrate what I mean when I say that. Have you, ever, have you ever looked up rooftopping before? You can Google that now if, if you want to. There's some YouTube videos that you can check, but there, there are people who illegally climb to the top of skyscrapers and super high uh, buildings, and they take video and they take pictures of them, like, I, and not just feet dangling like this. My, my hands are getting sweaty just talking about this, but have you seen the pictures where they're actually hanging off the edge? of like one-handed, it's, it's called rooftopping. Like I said, you, you, can, you, you can Google that. I'm pretty sure there's nothing else like weird name that that would pop up, <laughs> you know, if you Google that. Um, but that's, that's a little bit beyond, like that's, that makes me anxious and I feel like that's a totally legit response to that, pi- that picture, right? There's something wrong with, uh, you know, those, those people. A little bit of being anxious, you know, can keep you from doing something really stupid, right? However, there's a difference between that, an anxious response, maybe in, in a legitimate way. Um, there's a difference between that and living an anxious life. And we're not meant for that. We're not meant to be constantly worried about ourselves, everything, and everyone. And you wouldn't really know that if you took an honest look at our culture and the world we live in and how we experience life um, and, and what the realities are. So you go through and you look at Mental Health America or you look at American Psychological Association. I've got a bunch of stats here that I'm just going to highlight. I mean, there's a lot more information that I'm going to read out to you. But, but let me just let you know that the level of stress and anxiety, particularly now, like in, in this day and age that Americans experience in life, I mean, it, it just continues to increase and it continues to climb. Uh, just prior to COVID-19 and 2019, um, 20% of adults, nearly 50 million Americans dealt with some sort of anxiety or anxiety disorder. Suicidal ideation from, uh, since 2011 continues to climb. Their percentage continues uh, to grow, and that's through adults and through teenagers. A growing percentage of youth in the U.S. live with major depression. 15% of youth experience some sort of major depressive episode over the last year. Um, again, a, an in, increase from last year's data set. In the bottom ranked sta- states, up to 19% of youth ages 12 to 17 experience some form of major depression. Despite several months, even a couple years, right? At this point, we're thinking, you know, well, COVID-19, you know, 2019 is kind of about when we uh, uh, started you know, hearing about that and being worried about it. We've had a lot of time to acclimate it, uh, but it's not really changing our anxiety or stress levels at this point. Americans are struggling to cope with the disruptions that has caused nearly eight in 10 adults, 78% say the coronavirus pandemic is a significant source of stress in their life still, even though we've kind of gotten used to the reality that it's here, uh, you know, it's a virus, it's not going away, it's just a part of life at this point. And two in three adults, 67% say they have experienced increased stress over the course of the pandemic. The majority of Gen Z teens who are in school, 81% 
report that they have been negatively impacted, stress, anxiety, due to school closures as a result of the pandemic, less motivation to do schoolwork, 52% of them, having less involvement in sports or clubs or extracurricular activities, 49%. I mean, all these things are impacting these disruptions. Um, Two in five Gen Z teens, 43%, say the level of stress in their life has increased over the past year. And it was already at a level that was far and above what was normal 50 years ago. And it continues to increase college students. I mean, they're stressed. 87% of them are like, we don't know what's going to happen this year with our education, you know, with job prospects, you know, who knows? And so the numbers continue uh, to continue to climb. We are living in a unique time, to be sure. And in addition to uh, the normal anxiousness that comes with life, and especially around the holiday season, you know, some of us are anxious because we got to deal with family uh, this week or, you know, whatever's going on in our life with, with those things as Christmas comes, with family, with work, with friends, with life change, with health concerns, you know, with uh, the, the list uh, continues to go on. There's plenty of things that we feel anxious about. There's a ripple effect, you know, between what's happened over the last couple of years and how things have been going socially and politically and health-wise, you know, that we, we still are not going to understand the full ramifications of until maybe a couple decades uh, down, down the road. Our world has changed drastically in the last 40 years. I mean, you think about what things were like in 81 you know, and, and think about where things are now, socially, politically, you know, all of those, all economically, all of those things. Um, and we're the most anxious country in the world. Yay, we're number one. America first, we're the best, right? And the problem is the way we are choosing to live. L- listen, all of us are going to experience anxiety. I mean, it's a, it's a normal response to things that happen in our life. And while it's something we're all gonna experience is not meant to dictate how we experience life. And so over the next two Sundays, we're gonna talk about that. We're gonna talk about a particular passage of scripture from Philippians chapter four, verses four through nine. Um, and we're gonna talk about what Paul means when he says, be anxious for, for nothing. And I wanna encourage you to read through this passage of scripture, open up your Bibles, your phone, your app, um, and check this out, highlight it. Uh, I wanna ask you to memorize it, even if it's just a couple of verses, uh, as, a, as a way to uh, remember uh, what scripture has to say about this. Uh, for some of you, I'm praying that this passage will help you to see where there's some breathing room in life. Uh, maybe uh, life has become incredibly overwhelming for you or you're anticipating that that's going to come or it will at some point in your life. And there is a place of peacefulness for you. And there is a place of peacefulness for all of us. Maybe some of us know somebody who is anxious and this will help us to um, encourage them and be with them uh, during that anxiety. Um, this is a passage of scripture that we need to be reminded of um, and committing it to memory is one of the ways that the Holy Spirit will help us and counsel us in those moments when we do feel anxious because they are, they are coming. They are going to be a part of life. And this is going to be more like one sermon kind of chopped up into two, two parts. And so I want to encourage you, I know, I know some of you might be traveling for Thanksgiving next weekend, that kind of thing. I do want to encourage you to, to not miss the next one. So maybe make sure to join us online or on the podcast or, um, or be here and make that, make that a priority. Before we read the text, though, there's something that I think that's really important that, that I want to identify. Maybe sometimes that um, uh, is, is not, not a differentiation we make uh, enough in general, and I'm not talking about us, but uh, in general. When we're talking about the sermon series and we're talking about anxiety, um, we're specifically talking about the normal 
anxiety, and that's a, that's a bunny-eared word, you know, when I say normal anxiety that all of us, all of us come across and all of us feel. There's also, um, uh, there's also clinical or medical anxiety that sometimes we deal with, um, anxiety disorders that come about. And, and I just, I, uh, hopefully we understand that uh, sometimes there's a more comprehensive approach that we take uh, when it comes to things like that. And so as we talk about it, as we talk about anxiety, I mean, there are going to be some really important tools about our faith that we talk about that scripture calls us to do. But I want to make sure that we also realize that there are things like counseling and medication that are also important tools that God invites us into creation, you know, with him as we develop those things that are incredibly important for us to participate in, to encourage others to be a part of when we're talking about things like anxiety disorders, things that come, come because of chemical imbalance, you know, general feeling anxiety that we can't associate with any one thing that we felt for six months. And, and so there, there are things that, uh, that we participate in. Um, and so I want to encourage you uh, as, as we do regularly here, you know, seek that. If that's something that you're experiencing, seek that out. Come talk to me and I will refer you to um, some great uh, counseling organizations that share our Christian worldview. And that's, that's incredibly, um, incredibly important. And I'm always available for pastoral counseling as well. I'll just tell you now what, you know, what I tell everybody. I, I am not a mental health counselor though. You know, so that will be a part of that. And I can handle, we, we can talk about the spiritual stuff and I, I can give you direction, you know, when it talks, uh, when, when we talk about the um, anxiety disorder and, you know, where, where to go for, for help with that. And so I want to encourage you, that's, that's a part of this as well. So with all that being said, let's jump into our text. Here's what Paul says, and I'm going to read the entire passage. We're going to do half of it next, next Sunday. Uh, here's what Paul says at the ending of his letter in Philippians chapter four. Rejoice in the Lord always, I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all, the Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever's true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. So as Paul is closing out this letter to the Philippians, he's hitting some highlights, and he talks about uh, some of the things that the Philippians, and just like all of us, are going to experience in life, and anxiety is one of those, those things. And so, he's, so he says, don't do it. Stop it. You've ever seen the Bob Newhart, you know, Mad TV? That, that's a great episode. You can YouTube that later. Bob Newhart, stop it. You need to watch that sometime. Sure, Paul, I'll just not be anxious. Thanks for, thanks for giving me that, uh, that sentence, and I'll, I'll just kind of move on for life, um, and, and I'll be good. While they aren't always paralyzing for me, anxious thoughts uh, often seem to be regular visitors. And I don't know if you've had this experience, but, but for me, they, they, tend to, they tend to show up pretty regularly. And sometimes I invite them in and I offer them a seat, get them a cup of coffee and just kind of sit there with them and let those anxious thoughts just kind of talk. And I just sit and listen. Anybody can relate to that? I've had to get on my roof a couple times over the last couple months. And some of you, know, some of you don't know this about me, but I, I don't like heights. Um, at, at all. Um, and I really just don't enjoy them. And every time that I have to think about heights, you know, I, I, I get a little anxious. If I get on a roller coaster, I really enjoy them once it gets going. But that first hill, click, 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 
click. I, most of the time, I'm, I'm looking down at my feet. Like, I don't want to look out and around. Uh, once I get going, I'll, I'll enjoy it. Um, I identified a couple things that I need to fix on my roof, and so I got up on it twice on two different occasions. The first time, Renee, uh, she, she was my rock there at the bottom of the ladder. You know, she kept it, kept it, kept it stable for me. Um, the first time I got down off the, off the ladder, I had to just sit on the ground for about 15 minutes and breathe. Uh, you can laugh if you want. I mean, I mean it's, it's, totally, it's totally fine. I, I, I totally get it. Um, but I, I got up and down on that ladder on two different occasions. I got on my roof. So you can, you can be proud of me. You can clap. <laughs> I'm, I'm just kidding. I'm, yes, I was looking for that positive you know, affirmation. So Then I needed to go up a third time. And so a few weeks ago, um, I, I climbed up. And Renee was there, you know, like she was before, put the ladder in the same spot, so I had the, had the, uh, um, the chimney there to kind of hold on to, you know, help myself get up and stuff. And I got up, and I got above the roof line, and I just couldn't do it. Just could not make it happen. Uh, I just could not get past the anxious thoughts. And I still haven't been back up on the roof. And the repairs still need to be made, you know, because rain still happens. I don't know if, it, you know, I can't just expect rain to never happen again. And, you know, um, I don't know if you've ever prayed for it to never rain again, you know, but it's just, <laughs> I don't think it's going to work, you know. Uh, faith to move mountains, but probably not, that's, that's not, that's not quite what that means. As reasonable as those, you know, anxious thoughts might be, you know, because that's what I'm doing in my head. I'm, 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 uh, sometimes our anxiety can, can stop us in our tracks. Even, even in something that we've, we've been there before. We've, we've done it before. God's been faithful before. And still, we have these thoughts in our heads that just kind of stop us right there. And, and maybe, maybe we know it's not the truth. And yet, we still find it paralyzing. Just not doing anxiousness, as Paul says, don't, don't, do not be anxious. It doesn't really seem like an option, especially when it feels like we have a, a reasonable, you know, justifiable cause. We don't know when trouble is coming, and not even just the ever, everyday regular you know, things either, but the out-of-the-blue things that we have no control over. And it's going to be normal to have anxious feelings when those things happen. So Paul isn't necessarily saying, he's not saying don't have a natural response to new information. So, I mean, that, that's kind of a normal thing. Oh, I'm, I'm on the edge of a cliff. I should be a little anxious because you know, I, I correct that behavior and move in a different direction. What he is saying is, that we don't need to remain in a state of anxiety once we re receive that information and to not work ourselves into a state of continued anxiety when we don't have any information. And if you aren't familiar with Paul and his life and the background of when he writes this letter, it'd be important for you to know that he's writing while he's imprisoned. And he's writing with the background of having been beaten multiple times, having been shipwrecked, having been in places where he's starved, um, it, being imprisoned is something that he's going to experience multiple times in, in his life. The final one is going to end with his, with his death. And so when Paul is writing this, and if you read the entire letter of Philippians, which I encourage you, Philippians chapter 2 is my favorite chapter in the entire Bible, I encourage you to do that. And it's very positive. And, and Paul starts off this passage by saying, hey, rejoice. 
And so Paul is in a pretty dark circumstance when he's writing this. And you think, man, he's got total, totally, you know, he's got a reason to be anxious when he's writing this and say, hey, you know, this, this is really okay, but that's not the way that he approaches it. He says, don't do this. And so with this as a personal backdrop of experience and perspective alongside a deep and abiding faith in the presence of God and that God is who he says he is, Paul's message to the Philippians is that as disciples of Jesus, they don't have a reason to be in a continual state of anxiety over anything. And Jesus says this in speaking about the coming of the kingdom of God in Luke chapter 21, verse 34. He says, be careful or your hearts will be weighed down with carousing drunkenness and the anxieties of life. And that day, the day of the kingdom of God approaching and breaking forth and breaking in will close on you suddenly like a trap. And Paul reinforces this teaching. He says, don't, don't do this. Don't, don't be in this continual state of anxiety about anything. Because if we are, we're going to miss out on the state of being that God calls us into. And the prescription for maintaining and correcting our anxious thoughts comes first from the belief that our faith in Jesus as the Christ covers over this consequences of sin and death that we're ultimately anxious about. And then it produces the behavior that we then can put into practice that corrects some of those thinking. That's our sermon for next Sunday. See, anxiety asks the question, what if? And our faith counters with the question, what is? Pay attention to the words that are surrounding the do not be anxious. Okay, so ignore that part and listen to the rest of what Paul says. Don't ignore it, but listen to the rest of what Paul says in the surrounding verses. Because he doesn't say just don't do it. He says here's what to do instead. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all or your calmness, your peacefulness, be evident to all, because the Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. In every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And so what Paul does is, is for the regular, run-of-the-mill, everyday anxiety that we, that we face and that we deal with when things come up in our life, he gives us a process to go through when we are in situations that make us anxious. And what, what helps us is when we memorize this, we put this into practice in Scripture, the Holy Spirit works through that to help and counsel us and remind us that, oh, okay, this is when the anxious thoughts are starting to come. Here's what I need to do in response. And the first thing that Paul says is to rejoice. We, we, we rejoice, we give God glory, we celebrate, we praise him because he is near. He is coming again, and the truth of what Jesus has accomplished through the, his work and the death, burial, and resurrection um, overshadows the what-ifs. And so with every situation that arises, we can start with rejoicing, praising who, who God is despite the situation that we're in, and that leads us into prayer. It's just spending time, so much of the time, the problem that we get into when we're feeling anxious is that what we need to do is we need to sit there by ourselves, we need to isolate, and we need to deal with that internally. And what we miss is that God says, hey, I'm right here with you in it. And so don't, don't miss out on my presence as I'm here. And so Paul says, pray. Rejoicing reminds us that God is there with us. And then pray, spend time with, talk to, commune with God. Ask for what you need as you're sitting there, as you're being there with him, and do so with thanksgiving. Do so with a perspective that honors not the what ifs, but the what is about who 
God is. And what this process does that Paul tells us to conduct in the face of anxiety is it frames our cares and our anxiety in their proper context. I mean, the what ifs that exist in a world that is broken by sin and death, I mean, they exist, they're realities in our life. Difficulties, disease, death, I mean, we can fill in the blank with all sorts of things. Those things do exist. And the point of faith is not to avoid real life and not to say that it doesn't exist and that we don't have to deal with it. The point of it is to give us the framework from which we deal with a broken world. And when I say we, I really mean God and what he does and how he empowers us to deal with that broken world. The belief that God meets real life head on and defeats the what ifs with the what is and who he is and what he's done through Jesus. And so may we not forget as we rejoice that we worship and serve our Lord, Savior, and King Jesus who conquered sin and death through the cross and his resurrection and continues to make a way for us to experience the peace and glory of God despite the situation that we find ourselves in. The promise is that even beyond our ability to understand, and this is where faith comes in and where we're going to direct our faith, the peace that this is meant to bring us will guard our hearts and minds in the person and work of Jesus Christ. There's belief work that we do when we are confronted by the what-ifs of life and the anxious thoughts that bring, are brought to the forefront of our minds. Will we believe the what-if possibilities or the what-is promises of God? And that's, that's, the, that's the fork in the road that we come to. And listen, when we are in the middle of it, I know, I know what it's like. It's hard to be mindful of what belief system we're choosing and which way we're going. When I was at the top of the ladder, there's only one thought in my mind. What if I fall? What if the top slides and I go down? And what's going to happen? What are the consequences going to be? That's the only thing I could think of in the moment at the top of the ladder. It wasn't until I got down on the ground, processed, thought about why I thought falling was a possibility, that I was able to think clearly about the next steps I need to take and what they are. So I've got a plan. I haven't gotten back up on the roof, but I know I'm gonna, how I'm going to attack it next. And we'll see what happens. That's what rejoicing, praying with thanksgiving does for us. It gives us a chance to step away from the anxiousness of what might be and embrace the peace of what God has already done. It develops in us the habits of a less anxious life. You know, most of the anxious thoughts I've had over the years have either never happened. I don't know if you've ever experienced that. As, as, as smart as I am at guessing the future, you would be amazed at how many times I've been wrong. I don't know if you found the same thing. Uh, if, you, if you're not, like if you're always right, I want to talk to you and learn from you. Or something happened, but it was never as bad as I thought it was going to be. Maybe you've had that experience too. Or, in the worst case scenario, it still didn't overshadow the goodness of God. When I looked for how he was moving and guarding my heart and my mind in Christ Jesus, still has always showed up and been there, been near, and been with me. It's not a state in which we're meant to live. And so the first thing that we need to do is to identify that recognize it and evaluate what it is we're anxious about. You know, for the last six months, if you've been anxious and it's just general feeling and you can't figure out what it's tied to, I mean, that, that's the moment in which, you know, we're, we're thinking about, hey, I, I need to do some counseling work. 
I need to meet with somebody. I need, I need to go through this process. I need to discover what's happening here. Maybe it's a chemical imbalance. Maybe it's some other thing that I just can't, you know, we're not meant to do it on our own, right? So that's, that's, why we, that's why we do those things. Seek out godly counsel with those who are around us that have, have a good biblical worldview and philosophy and understanding of life uh, to process and help identify those things. And once you know what that is, spend intentional time rejoicing that God has defeated that what if and that he is in control even when we aren't. Praying and communing with God for his help, not as though we need to implore him for what he already offers, but as a way to unisolate ourselves from his continual presence with us as disciples of Jesus. And with thanksgiving then, we present our request knowing that what is through Jesus is more than enough to protect our hearts from whatever may be. And so this is what I want to encourage all of us to do. I mean, it's Thanksgiving week, and so this just kind of this just kind of fits in. I don't know how it's Thanksgiving week. I didn't realize that until this past Monday, um, where Renee told me, and I didn't believe her. It's like there's no way it's already Thanksgiving. And so he, here's what here's what I want to ask all of us to do: is take a moment this work, this week, this week, and do the work of intentionally writing down an anxious thought that we have and just identify and then say, this is the thing that I'm anxious about right now. And, and I'm not saying like go and work yourself up over something either. <laughs> you know, if, if you're good, like that, that's fine. That, that, that's good. What is the thing you're anxious about? Identify that thing and, and then counter that what if with thankfulness in what is true about who God is and what he has done in your life. And so, sure, right, identify that anxious thought, but, but right next to it, maybe even above it, you know, right next to it, write what you are thankful of and that you are choosing to believe and have faith in, you know, who God is and what he has done despite that what if and that anxious thought in your head. And so I want to encourage you to write that down. Maybe even, you know, maybe not, you don't even have to write it down. Maybe share it with someone. And just identify it with someone that you're, you're close to, another, you know, disciple of Jesus that you're like, hey, I, j- I just want to, I want to say this out loud. And I want you to be praying about this with me um, and walk through this uh, with me. Our gentleness or peacefulness or calmness in the face of anxious situations can be evident to all, as Paul says, because God is always with us. The Lord, the, the, the Lord is near. So may we draw near to him. And seek his face. When life tries to pull us away from the peace of his presence, may we stop and may we not sit and invite in those thoughts and have coffee with them and just listen to what they have to say. But may we turn around and say, all right, God, I'm going to spend time in your presence and I'm going to invite you in. I'm going to hear more about what you have to say. Let's pray. God, anxious thoughts are something that we all deal with. It's a, it's a normal uh, response to stress that happens in our life. God, sometimes they linger a lot longer than they should, and sometimes they uh, keep us from recognizing uh, the truth of who you are, what you've done, um, what the next steps might be. And so, God, I, I just I, I want to ask you that you give us the wisdom through your Holy Spirit to stop and to remember these words from Paul as a, as a way to put into practice uh, the spiritual discipline or habit of, of leading, um, leading a life that, that is not 
stuck in a continual state of anxiety, that we put into practice these habits of rejoicing and prayer, being thankful in the midst of those things for um, not just the things that might happen, but what you've already done. And to help us frame our life in a different way, in a way that is, that is directed by uh, your eternal presence. God, these are difficult things. These are not, um, these are not easy things. You know, just don't do it, you know, isn't, isn't a path forward. But we know that there is one because of what you've done through your son. And so God, we just ask you for mindfulness of that. that even, even if we're not really sure, you know, what's gonna happen on the other side of this, that you, that you empower us to do what you have called us to do, to, to seek after your face, and for us to be able to see, maybe on the other side, down the road, exactly where you brought us to and how much of a difference it has made in our lives. God, help us to be more concerned with you than we are with us. Help us to be um, more encouraged by what you're about than, than what might be going on in our lives. God, we can't do it on our own. We need you for this. So we simply ask for your help, for us to recognize that you are near. You are with us as disciples of Jesus. Your Holy Spirit indwells us. God, we ask you to help us to be conscious of that power within us. We praise you for what you've done through Jesus, that it releases us from the anxieties of this life, to be able to praise you for the life, the new life that you give us here and the life to come. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.